Welcome to your Empowering Stories with Amy Panther. Now, I am passionate about helping others to live an empowered life every day. And in this podcast, I will be sharing stories of amazing people who have used their lessons, blessings and tools to create their own empowered life. It's going to be exciting. Enjoy, my darlings. <laughs> this is exciting. Hello, welcome to episode two of Your Empowering Stories with Amy Panther. Today, I've got a very wonderful lady on. Um, this is the beautiful, if you're watching on on a video, you can see her. I can see her beautiful face. Um, but this is, I've got joined with me today. Joined with me today is the beautiful Emma. Emma has the most incredible voice. She's a Patreon account. She has a YouTube channel, and she just writes and sings music. And she's oh, amazing. And I wanted her to be my first guest, so she can share with us today her empowering story. So what excited. an introduction! You're so welcome. Do you know what actually? Um, at the weekend, I was um, came back from my run with my mum, and um, I played your music because <laughs> I was like, "Oh, she said about a song," and I was like, "Oh, my friend sings that song," Aww. so I played it to her, and then she was like, "Oh, does she? No, do, what other music does she play?" And I was going through YouTube videos. Aww, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thank you. That will never get old to me. Whenever like even, like when you go in on Spotify, you can like see. Like, I have, like, a page where I can see, how, like, if mm-hmm. people are listening. And so if I go in and it says one person is listen- currently listening or two or even three, I'm always like, oh, my God, people are literally sat listening to my music right now. Like, that blows my mind. That must, like, yeah, that must never, that feeling, that must just never yeah. get old. Like, it must, all the time, must feel, like, just incredible. It's like when someone, it's like when I, um, so if you listen to the podcast now, my first podcast came live today and I had people messaging me saying they loved it they were so inspired and I was like oh my goodness like I would would have been happy if just my mum listened to it but the fact that more than one person listened to it just makes me so exciting but anyway this is not about me I listened to it oh thank you and it was incredible and I was so proud of you I am so proud of you oh thank you it was yeah anyway but I, I, I could talk about myself but this is your story this is your story, Emma. So, should we start from the beginning? Where do you feel like your empowered journey stories began? Can we take you back? Can we kind of like take people back and see where it all began? Yes. Um, I think just to give a bit of context, I, yeah. uh, I grew up in Denmark. I'm Danish. And I grew up... Um, with uh, my parents were separated and I used to be at my dad's like every second weekend or so and then I live with my mom otherwise um and then my dad suffers from mental illnesses so there was a time there were several times throughout my life where he just wasn't present and on like a rational level I understand that now when I was seven and I was being told the reason why he didn't want to see me which was really just that he didn't want me to see him sick and he didn't feel like he could be uh the father to me that he probably wanted to be 
Um, but being told that at like seven years old, I said, I understand, but obviously as a seven year old, you don't understand why your dad doesn't want to see you. Um, I think it was more just of a, um, you know, nod and smile kind of thing. Um, and just kind of agreeing. Um, and I think as a kid like that, like just survival Mm. mechanism kicks in. And that like adaptability, if that's the word, just kind of adapting to what is. Um, And so from, Mm -hmm. I want to say from really around seven or so, I just was always struggling. I always was kind of unhappy. Um, And there I can go into (laughs) many different things. Um, But yeah, bottom line was that I just really wasn't, I just wasn't happy. And when Mm. I was um, like in eighth grade, I remember I would like cry every day and I would often not really know what was wrong. I'd be like, I don't know what's wrong, mom. I would just be upset. I guess like, sorry to interrupt you, but I guess you had all those, like as a child, you would have had all those feelings, but probably didn't know, like you say, you couldn't probably, what's the word I'm trying to say? Like you would have felt a certain way but might not have been able to communicate it does that make sense or like you didn't know why you were feeling that way or couldn't put the pieces together does that make sense yeah Yeah. um Mm. absolutely yeah and I think that was a big part of it I think there was also just um there were dealing with um I think dealing I wasn't really dealing with the grief and I also kind of grew up around people not I was never told you can't be angry but I didn't grow up around people who ever really showed anger my mom and both my mom and dad are very like just Mm. mellow people and like I never really saw like an angry side to them and so never really being around that I think in my head I I was like well you're not angry that's not a thing you are like if you're angry it's like wrong I was never told that but just from watching my parents I think that's Mm. an idea I got And so I think there were elements of what I was probably feeling that just didn't get a chance to come out and be expressed, which I think is one of the healthiest and best things you can do is really just express every, like the whole sphere of your feelings because that's how you process stuff. And I think I just didn't really get a chance to. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, I just, I really wasn't happy for a very long time. up until so the equivalent of I guess A levels for you guys um and it got just kind of got worse and worse and remember Mm -hmm. I dropped out but like the summer before I dropped out uh which I did I dropped out shortly after the holiday I was like oh it's fine now I'm on holiday now everything is going to be better it's now I've got the time to do what I want to do I'm just gonna have a fun and good time and like the weeks just passed and I was just not happy no matter what I did and I felt like so broken and I was like what is why like I don't work (laughs) something about me doesn't work like something's wrong with me um and for some reason like depression Mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff never crossed my mind um and then I went back to school and like the first day I was again I was like the first I was like it's fine I'm back now like we're starting over it's a new start and then like first day over and I already feel just like an empty shell of nothing and I'm just upset and whatnot Um, and then I think I googled like bipolar disorder because I read an article about like Demi Lovato having it or something (laughs) and so I was like what is this 
And then I was like, maybe that's what I have. And it's, you know, uh, spoiler alert, it's not what I have. Yeah. But obviously... You just wanted to find out. Yeah. And I... And reading the reading like the symptoms and whatnot obviously describes mm. depression as because that's kind of like a I guess a symptom to borderline and I kind yeah. of recognized a lot of those themes in my life I remember literally sending a message to my mom being like mom do you think this is what's wrong with me and she was like mm. oh um that definitely could sound you know like something you might be struggling with and mm. so to not accommodate things I eventually dropped out because I just I wasn't happy and I was you know holding up a spot at this school but like putting absolutely nothing into it because I just I didn't want to do it Mm. I mean I was depressed for one but I also just did not fit in I was always very uh I've never like gone out I have always just enjoyed a movie and a cup of tea at home and I didn't drink Mm. which I was you know She is. <laughs> Sorry, that was so weird. I just was like, I'm just gonna, ch- <laughs> I'm just gonna chat, keep on chatting. I was See, like, suddenly the image was just frozen, and I was like, is this on my end? And I just nothing I did helped. I had to like restart the whole thing. It's fine. It's um, fine. Where was up to, but I dropped out of school. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I dropped out of uh, A levels. We call it gymnasium. Um, just never really fit in which I think was like a theme throughout my life I always kind of felt like mm-hmm. the odd one out I was quite um probably because of like my own issues and my own self-esteem as well but I just always felt like I didn't really fit in anywhere um which I guess um no I'll come back to that anyway <laughs> um she's got so much to say <laughs> No, it's just, it's later on. And then, yes, uh, so I dropped out to get better. And I think I said, I probably said something along the lines of, I'm just going to take a couple of weeks and then I'll find a job and I'll work. And, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe I'll, I'll apply to like a performing arts school or, you know, I'll travel or do all these things I always wanted to do. And which I think in Mm -hmm. my head, I thought we're going to fix everything. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And so... I did that and uh, sure enough, I I didn't really uh, do anything for probably around six months. I was just at home um, living at my mom and my stepdad's and didn't really see many people. Yeah, and that must have been hard because when you, you just must have had these thoughts running through your head and just your own what's where like when you're in your own thoughts and you have personally for me when I have loads of time on my hands that's when all these things arise Mm. because I have time to think and I have time to let the ego in yeah yeah absolutely I think I always and I've always kind of been like that I think my head always held out for like Mm. this one big thing that was going to change everything um Mm. and it just yeah I just kind of sat around I honestly don't really I don't remember that much about that time I lost quite a few friends um just because they were sick of me (laughs) quite frankly I was kind of depressed and Mm. 
Mm. I think at that age, people are maybe not as accustomed to to deal with yeah. that kind of thing. And I think for for a lot of people, like I said, uh, for a lot of people in that age, they just want to. I don't know live life and have fun and it, it, it became a bit too heavy and yeah. felt a bit like a burden um which people don't know what to say do they they Sometimes. don't know they they don't know what to say and it's like no matter what they say it's not really gonna help and and on top of that mm-hmm. I would I mean I would offload all my thoughts and feelings I know that's mm-hmm. kind of depression comes out in different ways depending on who you are some people kind of close themselves off I have always Mm -hmm. been very open and honest and Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit too honest sometimes my Mm. first coach my first ever coach used to say that you need to learn how to show your heart without giving it away because I would just kind of like hold out my hand and be like here take my heart instead of just being like you can just open your hand so they can see your heart <laughs> but I wish I know that. I wish I could be given that piece of advice. Yeah, I'm like you. I'm a massive open book. Yeah, and I probably share way too much with way too many people. Um, but that's just who I am. But like, can't, can't, I mean, I don't know. Want to like? But when it comes to like dating, for me, yeah. I would give everything of myself. Yeah. Um, and like you so say, you've got to keep a little bit back absolutely there's actually a taylor swift quote i don't know is it always come no no there's a taylor swift oh there is a taylor swift quote that says giving giving away um giving away love like it's extra change and i thought that was Mm. like spot on (laughs) because Mm. i think that was very much what i was doing really to anybody in my life just because Mm. i was so desperate to feel wanted and to feel loved Mm. And I mean, really, it probably just stemmed from that um, absence of, you know, a parent and dealing with that sort of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But I obviously, yeah, you just can't really rationalize it when you're in the middle of it. And it, no, it, um, it's just becomes you doing what you've been taught to do in order to survive and to make sense of everything. And so that's what I did. And six months after I dropped out of school, uh, my mom was like, uh, you should go to England for, I think I went for 10 days, um, Mm -hmm. to visit your cousin. And I was like, mom, like, I don't really want to go. Like, I don't really know my cousins. I've like seen them, seen them a couple of times. Um, and I even remember sitting on like a kitchen table the kitchen table at home being like mom this is not going to change anything you know that right um and i went to england and i came back and everything had changed (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i went to england and my cousin brought me to church and it was like a very charismatic church a pentecostal church and um in case some of you guys have never been to a Pentecostal, like kind of um more like modern church, it's um okay. it's a lot more like there's like a band and there's like a stage with like yeah. it's like I don't even know what genre of music it is, but it's like 
music you can well, dance lifting. to. It's yeah. like yeah. it's very different from the sort like, like yes. Yeah. Very different from like the traditional church and the preaching is very like charismatic and it's like drawing yeah. from their own experiences and um it's just it feels a lot less like church and, and kind of more like a like a motivational speaker. Like you're going to a TED talk. Sort of, yeah, um, but kind of a, also a safe place, like a safe, yes, like you feel comfortable and safe place, yeah. yeah. Um, and mm. um, well, initially, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and and I think a big part of why I was so attracted to it is was because, well, first of all, like when I visited my cousin, she they were just really lovely and welcoming, and all her friends mm. kind of welcomed me in for that week I was there, and I just mm. I remember they had like a jam night at like their place where they just sat and played worship music and it just felt so mm. like these are the kind of people I'm missing in my life. Um, mm. And also I think the element of like, again, I didn't drink and I didn't hook up, you know, go out and hook up with people and there's nothing wrong yeah. with any of those things, but I didn't do that and I always felt left out because of that. Yeah. And yeah. so going to church where that's not really the culture I just felt so much more at ease and like I fit in. Mm -hmm. And so they told me that Hillsong, which is a probably one of the biggest Pentecostal churches uh, in the world, and it's kind of a global church, that they had just started a campus up in Denmark. And when I went back, I should go. And so I went back and the first Sunday back, I went to church. Um, and so began the journey of church and Christianity mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. It was, um, to be honest, the first four months were really, really rough. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I was just still in that mindset of kind of giving love away like it's extra change. Like I just yeah. wanted to be liked. And I remember, especially at church, and like thinking back, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I was so brave for like walking in all by myself to this like strange church, which by the oh way, I, I did this like at... I think I was 18 years old and I walked into this church, which was being held at like an underground jazz club. Like <laughs> I was so brave to do that. Um, a massively brave because they would have had their like group, their tribe. Yeah. Like, and you're going into that where, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a huge thing. It is. Um, and I immediately loved it and I immediately... Mm -hmm. um, put my hand up they they will like ask you if you accept Jesus into your life and I put my hand up because I did and um that was like a massive turning point in my life at that point um however coming into church I was yeah I just remember every Sunday like I loved being there but I also came home being like was like was my like hi okay like did I talk too much did I talk too little yeah. like I was still yeah. like over analyzing every little Thing bit I did what you were doing yes yeah. exactly um and I for the first bit I met some amazing people and I met some not so nice people who uh, I think kind of my initial idea of God got kind of twisted by a person who was really not acting according to the values that were being preached. And so I think there was like yeah. a, a, a disconnect between what was being preached and what I was being shown. And, mm -hmm. and then on top of that, like, 
you know, at my limiting beliefs to all of that. And it just yeah. uh, meant that the first four months were really, really rough. And I remember feeling just a, a lot of shame. And I thought that God felt like shameful over me or like that he mm. um, was disappointed in me and which mm. if, you're a Pentecostal Christian, you'll know that that's, that's not the message they're trying to preach. Um, and so that affected me a lot, but I slowly, um, kind of within another six months started gaining some friends and it got better. And then it kind of got worse again. And I, I was always kind of trying to I don't know, like, when I joined church, it was, like, really this... Like a ho- high. It was a high, yeah, high, because it was yeah. like, wow, this is amazing. And then the the more you kind of get into it and the more you become a part of it, you start seeing all the flaws to mm-hmm. the church and to the people in church. And that kind of slowly started seeping in. I really, really wanted to sing. And it took a really long time for me to... Um, kind of get um get put on stage and be allowed to sing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I loved worshiping I thought it was the best thing in the world because I felt like when I when I got on that stage it was I could kind of like put myself aside and not think about me and just think about God and think about these people in front of me who I was like leading in worship or whatever um but I didn't I was still in that depressed state and I still really didn't do anything and I think six months into singing I was pulled aside by a leader and they basically were like we we think you should be taken off stage because you don't seem to practice and you seem kind of depressed and that was really hard because Again, it was kind of like an escape for me, okay. but I think what was even harder, sorry, I thought I turned off That's my phone. Um, what was even harder was that it was like, oh, you know, we don't think you should do this because clearly you're depressed. And then that was kind of it. I just didn't really hear from them. And so it's like, we mm-hmm. acknowledge that you're not doing well, but as a church whose job it is to kind of be there for the people and to uplift each other nothing was really done about it and I did Mm -hmm. I did reach out for help um I want to say on five different occasions with five different leaders and Mm -hmm. which I will you know it's also it was also just really unfortunate (laughs) timing but every single one of them eventually forgot me so quite a few of them forgot me kind of from the beginning and a few of them would kind of just drop off after like one meeting and I wouldn't Mm. hear anything from them and so that was really really hard on me and I just started um being you know more and more I just started getting worse again and because it would have been a brave thing to do to ask for help yeah and then to be not given it or like you said forgotten that yes. must have been, yeah, you just must have felt like to recluse, like, what's the word, like to retract? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, mm. And so that was really hard. I kind of ended back up in wanting to just leave and, and getting away. And then somebody messaged me about an internship in England at 
another church mm -hmm. and uh it was by a person who i i had met initially at my cousin's church and she now was at this other church where she had been an intern and they were looking for new interns and i thought this is my opportunity i really really wanted to go mm -hmm. to uh hillsong college which is like a bible school slash college in sydney mm -hmm. um, which is connected to my church but it costs a lot of money in hindsight i'm really happy i didn't go um, but it cost a lot of money. Um, my friend went there um, and I even more so wanted to go because she went there. Um, but obviously not having worked. Really? Can yeah. I just, sorry to interrupt you. Intern in the, like, what would your, what would you, what would you, what do you want your role to be? Like, what did you want to do? So, um, without being, what did I want to do? Sorry if I'm asking a really stay. stupid question. No, I, around that time, I was very just integrated in the world of church, I think. And so... Church, yeah. I think I wanted to, like, work for church and, like, be in church and be in okay. ministry. Yeah. Um, mm. Which I think I'd just kind of been sold on that idea because they very much... Mm. They just preach a lot on... on stuff like that and, like, leadership and, like, spreading mm -hmm. the gospel or whatever. <laughs> And so in that, at that time, I think I was like, oh, this is like my end to maybe like being in ministry and like you, you'll hear about people who go to Bible schools or take in internships and then eventually are hired by the church or, okay. I don't know. And the thing about Christianity and like being in church is like you hear a lot of like miracle, quotation marks, miracle stories and like people who just magically got this dream job like out from left field. And I think sometimes... Um, I thought surely that's going to happen to me and I'm just going to get this perfect opportunity that's going to change my world. And so I think I thought that's what this internship was. Mm. And so I went to the internship and immediately like, just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you about the first day. <laughs> like I arrive and yeah. my friend comes and picks me up. The girl I'd met before, she wasn't a friend, but I'd met her before and she came and picked me up. Yeah, and she drove me to church and I walked in and this person just kind of said hi and said sorry we haven't been able to find you a host family but we've got like a temporary host family and so I was like oh, okay oh my god and then this guy just came out he's like You're, you'll be staying with these guys and you know shakes his hand and I'm just kind of thrown in his van <laughs> not thrown in his van but he was driving he was oh, driving this <laughs> Make it sound Throw so in the back of the van. <laughs> no, but he was just like he was really lovely. But it's like this man I've yeah. never met in my life, and I just have to like get in his because it was a van. He was driving a van because he worked in. Oh gosh, I can't remember. Um, but it was like a work van. But it was just Were like really I was scared? just like. Were you scared? I wasn't scared. I was just a bit uncomfortable because it's like the stranger, mm. and I'm just sitting in this white van, <laughs> like. Um, and then I arrive at his place or their place. It's like a family. And honestly, this family is like the loveliest people on the planet. They're so lovely. But they are also parents to three kids under the age of five. And what that means okay. is that everything kind of gets quiet at seven. Uh, I never really see them mm -hmm. because I'd get home really late. And on top of that, because this temporary host family became my permanent host family because they simply just didn't find anyone else <laughs> the problem with that was that nobody had really told them what that entailed and so yeah they were meant to like they were meant to provide food like dinner and stuff 
nobody had told them and i was not going to tell them because i felt like that's just not my job like i don't even like yeah i, I don't i'm not even like really welcomed here like i am because they were lovely but um and so i ended up having to pay for my own things while everyone else like because this internship you know consisted of i think we were six mm-hmm. or seven people and like they had mm-hmm. you know meals and everything provided at their host families and i like lived on like porridge <laughs> Because, and yeah, which is, that in itself was not great. And there just wasn't really any any support to come. And I remember being so jealous of some of the other interns, host families, because they had like an actual relationship and they like, you know, had dinner together and they did things together. And again, the people I stayed with, like when I did get a chance to talk to them, they were generally so lovely, but they just didn't sign up for that. And they no. just had a lot going on, understandably so. Mm. And so that in itself mm. wasn't great. And then the internship <laughs> was just not great either. Just And I generally just half the time, I didn't know what to do there. Nobody was telling me what to do. Everyone else kind of had jobs. And I just, it'd be like, uh, can you hoover the office? Like, <laughs> there was just like no attention on me. Yeah. And you must have felt really vulnerable. Because you're yeah. a, not in your... You know, in a like a foreign yeah. country, and you have things that you're working out and mm. trying to work out, and you feel like, did you feel like you didn't like couldn't speak up? Yeah, exactly. I I was really mean? lucky to have like my fellow interns were really really lovely people, and mm. a little bit older than me as well. And um, I'm so happy we had each other, but. I just, once again, felt like the odd one out. I kind of went to England also with the idea of seeing things and doing stuff because I love England and I think it's such a beautiful country and I just didn't have any time or energy to do it. On my day off, I would walk alone into like this other town. I'd go for this very long walk. I think it's like 40 minutes walk or an hour. And I would just kind of walk around this like semi-pretty town and have a Costa coffee. I'm really to admit because I <laughs> I've worked at Costa so I can say I don't like Costa um but um oh I'm not a coffee drinker and so no great no um, and then what's really funny is I remember I would because nobody told me what to do and nobody like I just didn't know what to do with myself and so I would often just be like well I'm gonna go for a walk and I would walk out into this field uh behind the church it was like this big field where people like were walking the dogs and I would practice my singing <laughs> but like I would practice these really high notes I wanted to hit and I swear like I don't know people thought I was going insane I'm sure I remember my friends came out with me this one time and then they walked back earlier because they had to go back and do whatever because you know they got jobs to do mm-hmm. um and I remember they were like like we couldn't see you anymore but we could still hear you <laughs> um Um, it's really funny um and then christmas came around and how old were you i would have been 19 i believe at this point yes and christmas came around and they do this like big christmas um like show i guess like a big uh, christmas show at church and every singer who sang at this um, show got a solo except for me which is like such a like whatever superficial thing but it it just wasn't because I 
I think it was like it for me it felt like it was just like this pattern I was stuck in because I'd kind of had similar experiences yeah. at Hillsong in Denmark I would be at that church and one of my best friends who is an amazing singer would like get all these solos and you know well to search is amazing um and it's just fueling because... this limiting belief exactly and because it was like and the, I think the thing that was really hard is like a lot of people would be like why are you not singing more like you're such a good singer why don't they put you on more mm. and I never knew what to say because I was like I, I don't I don't know <laughs> just, I don't know why they don't want to put me on and so it's like all these people off stage and kind of who didn't have any control over the creative ministry would be like why are you not singing and everyone in the creative ministry just wouldn't give me a time of day and mm-hmm. so I think that kind of like you said fueled a limiting belief and so at this Christmas show once again I I remember one of the interns and his mom like were like why are you not singing you're the one with the best voice like why are you not singing I don't understand they were they were, they were like mad <laughs> for me and I just felt so like like I don't know what to say or do no. because I, I just don't know what the answer is and I sang like or sorry I remember like I read my bible a lot doing the internship for like the first three months and I slowly just was like okay what if I just stop believing in God because I just felt so much pressure yeah because in my mind I was like, like for instance for instance me being like why didn't I get to sing when everyone else, everyone else gets to sing that would be viewed as me not being humble enough and you should be more grateful and but you're human it, it's yes but it's very invalidating like it's it's very they were um validating your feed like yes it's very your... invalidating that I that you weren't really allowed to express yes. your your true emotions and feelings and which probably for you felt like you had that with your father and then we're having it again yeah yeah probably i actually never thought about it like that no, but it's, it's, in my like, head yeah that's the power I... of telling your story because i'm like listening to it going up yeah it just i was just so stressed and i would cry to god every single night i was i would like you know not scream at him because there were three kids in the house but (laughs) um I would I would cry and I would you know slowly just be like I don't know I I don't think I can believe in him anymore because how can I cry every single night and it not change Mm. like it's literally the same every single day and so uh in the last month of the internship I had already decided I was going to go back Christmas and I was not going to come back and so I went back and to Denmark yes I went back to Denmark and I had decided I'm not gonna believe in God anymore came like an obsessive vegan and I mean obsessive vegan that was like my new cult (laughs) that was like my new like obsessive thing because it was like I had I had to the thing about what I've realized later on is that church for me was like that was my way of controlling my life my kind of way of of getting control was really just to put everything into boxes and have that very yeah. polarized thinking and church gave me that because it was like yeah. you know very black and white right yes. or wrong yeah. and so when I left that I just went to veganism um, and that then made me want to like I watched a lot of like YouTubers and like vegan YouTubers mm-hmm. and I was like I want to be a YouTuber I want to be a like vegan YouTuber mm-hmm. and so I saved up money, bought a camera, and I went to Thailand. And went to Thailand. Know, plot twist. Yeah, I went to Thailand. I didn't know that. And 
Yeah, I went to Thailand for a month all by my lonesome because I didn't really have any friends. Um, it was pretty hard four months, but I was like, I had that trip to look forward to. Mm -hmm. um, my stepdad was like scared because he's like, you're not going alone to Thailand. Um, my mom was a bit more calm because we have been there when I was like five and she knows the, the quite respectful people. But yeah, I went to Thailand because I wanted to be a vegan YouTuber and um, <laughs> I didn't really pick up my camera because I just honestly wasn't confident enough to do it. Yeah. Um, but I did meet some lovely people and we like traveled around and it was honestly like even now looking back, it was just like the best trip. Which is such a contrast to like, I was not, once again, I was not happy before going mm. away for that trip. I, I was not... I hated the job I was in, um, but I was like, you know, saving up money. And I had, I think the pressure of like believing in God, uh, having like taken that off my yeah. shoulder definitely helped, but I still, yeah. Mm. And I, I still just wasn't that happy. Um, but, but being away on that trip, there's just something about, I guess the perspective it gives you. Mm. And it's like, suddenly you're this, other person and like nothing matters it's just about enjoying this beautiful culture and this beautiful place and I, I I was actually in my hotel room for like the first two or three days because I got such a culture shock and I was all by myself and I was so scared of leaving my hotel room <laughs> but when I did it became really really good um, I, I just think like you kind of <laughs> speak about going to Thailand like it's you're quite so incredibly brave. You've been, like, in the stories of this story so far, you've I been to two that. countries on your own. Yeah. And that is, like, no, that's it's... incredible. And I literally, like, in the past year or so, I've really thought about that. Because, mm. honestly, I, I, I don't think I could do that now. I'd, I'd be too scared. <laughs> mm. Just not so much the England bit, but, like, Thailand, I don't know. Ooh, I I, maybe it's just because like you're growing up and like you, you're less naive and you've just heard a lot of yeah. terrible stories well that's what um, they say children have no fear because they don't have yeah, all the exactly beliefs and things yeah. that we know um and then i went to england again because uh, my friend was getting married and then i decided to stay i was like i'm gonna stay in england because Believe it or not, even though I had such a terrible mm. experience last, like last time, I just I love mm. the country. I still love the country, and so I decided to stay. And again, I look back and I'm like, "How did you sort everything?" And I just I just did. Apparently, I I found an, a, a a like a room mm. to rent in North Wembley, because that was like the cheapest, prettiest room I could find, and. And I just went there and I guess I opened a bank account at some point. I must have got a national insurance number at some point. Like, I, I genuinely don't remember all of this, but I'm thinking, you did that. It's you know insane. Like, <laughs> it's like, it would have been a massive, huge thing. Like, to like move back to a country, find a room to live, like, open a bank account. And it's like, mm -hmm. you can't remember it. But at the time, it would have been I, so I huge. Just, yeah. So weird. Brain I just, like, yeah, just it's so odd. things yeah four months once again passed and i think honestly i had kind of just like helped back like i had been like in survival mode and like ignored the fact that there was like a festering depression mm. <laughs> um underneath it all so the moment i landed back in denmark it resurfaced surely enough 
I was Mm. depressed. (laughs) Um, It kind of all came flooding. Um, Another six months of literally doing nothing at home because I was depressed. Uh, It actually got so bad that I remember I was like, mom, I just, I need you to just do something. And I remember she woke me up this one morning and I was like, why are you home? She should be at work. And she's like, we're we're going to like the psychiatric um, department or whatever. And um, we went in there and because I think in my head, I was like, I need to be like in an like institution Mm -hmm. somewhere. Not because I was insane, but because I just didn't know what to do. Like I was always been a quite rational person which sometimes is even worse because it was like i just i just felt like i needed access to someone to like help me 24 7 because i was like i don't understand like i just need someone to like fix me (laughs) i was so desperate and um my mom kind of took me to that and um you know they did an evaluation and it was just you know it was just the same old like you're depressed sorry i then that summer after coming back from england once again oh my god third time since i went back to church (laughs) because (laughs) honestly partly because of a guy let's face it um yeah but also because i was just really lonely and i was like i just don't know where to meet like i don't know where to meet people i don't know how to see people i'm, I'm an extrovert and i just was like i need to i just need yeah, people you, around me could, like you've been there before and you can there's people there and you, yeah it's not a comfort blanket because yeah. but i mean like it's a something you're familiar with and you're yeah. safe yeah yeah um but i think what really made a massive difference was that i met my best friend and i slowly kind of gained a group of friends that i felt like i finally was like i felt like i fit in and i felt like which must have felt so such a lovely feeling if you've not if you struggle to feel that way yeah and that was all good until eventually I think again it just started building up like church and 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 all these things that i just weren't really agreeing with and then i met uh, my fiance (laughs) current fiance was my fiance back then um and that was a big turning point as well i definitely think he he is australian and he moved to denmark he joined the church i had a couple of friends kind of freak out for no reason whatsoever quite frankly and so I lost two of my best friends or I don't know if I want to say lost but I I had to cut ties with them it wasn't even it I I just kind of got attacked for like and I also think like with it's hard like that can be such a hard thing with a friendship when it ends Mm. And you don't really sometimes know why and you don't feel that you've done anything or like there hasn't been a reason for it. And yeah, it like I don't, not, not obviously grief is losing like a family member, but there is that grief sometimes when you lose a friend. Yeah. Sorry, that went a bit deep. No, there, but it, I, I, I've That's experienced deep, it where I've had. <laughs> Let me tell you deep. <laughs> no, but like yeah. I've experienced it when I've had a... Yeah. Uh, friendship and I've lost it. It sometimes and... just hits. Yes, yeah, it hits yeah. different. <laughs> to put it lightly, mm. um, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I think 
it it especially did for me because what I then realized was that I had put a lot of I put a lot of my identity into being a good friend um mm. because of like always obviously always wanting to kind of want the attention and the love of others when I then had gained that mm. friend group and I had finally felt like oh my god I'm like I have these people who actually count on me and love me and who you know call me up and wants to hang out with me and hang out and 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 who wants to kind of confide in me I I took that responsibility very seriously and I was like I'm a good friend I might not you know mm. uh, I might not be a worldwide musician but I'm a good friend like it was just a very big part of who yeah. I was and so when I suddenly had a couple of people just kind of throw in my face that I was selfish and manipulative and stupid and other ugly words I I, I took mm. that really hard because I just was like but this is who I am I'm a good friend and I felt like that was taken away from me mm. Mm. and then on top of that leaving church and I had six months or four months or so of probably like the worst anxiety I've ever had and I don't I've never, I've never really struggled with anxiety before, but you know that like tightening of the chest was just constantly mm. there. And everything I thought and everything I felt, I just, I questioned because I had never really been taught to think for myself. It was always church, right? It was always like everything had been decided. And so when I had to break ties with that, yeah, put into boxes, it was like getting to know my intuition was really, really hard because it was a constant fight between what I've been taught was right and what I felt in my gut was right. And that was, that just brought so much anxiety. And honestly, what was really hard during that time was that nobody kind of knew what was going on except for Alex. And there was ever, there was never a time anyone kind of stopped up and was like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Is there a reason you're not around? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was, I was, like I said, I I just constantly felt like on a cusp of like panic attack, but nobody knew because nobody and it actually wasn't anything. <laughs> no, and it wasn't anything to do with Alex. No, like as in he was supporting yeah. you. Um, but it was yeah, like you say, if people asking. Yeah, how you if were. anything, it was really hard to be in a relationship while going through that. It's like that alone. Oh, I can imagine was hard yeah. to get through without it mm. I mean it was kind of like a make it a break moment for us as well because it's it's really hard to be there for a person who is just quite frankly falling apart <laughs> um mm. and um okay I'm getting to the answer well, it just shows how <laughs> it was really hard <laughs> it shows how strong your relationship now must oh be, definitely though. it was definitely like mm. And I think I always felt, even though I had left church, I still had that like faith in me. And I always felt like God had sent me him for a reason because I felt like I met him at a very like, a very um, unlikely time. Like I was like, mm. I think as someone who believes you kind of like sort of attract what you put out there, I didn't feel mm -hmm. like I had put out anything to like, to kind of, gain him if that makes sense I didn't feel like out so I felt like it was I, I felt like that was God's grace at that point and I felt like that was 
that was like someone he had sent for me and so i think that's what i mean like yeah he'd he yeah he sent he you hadn't like you say you i am mm. a believer also of what you kind of put out you yeah attract but in this respect it's kind of like he was there to support you yeah. and guide like you needed him to support and yeah. guide you. And I think that's was like I'm I always it was always like I, I have that balance of like, yeah, I believe in like I guess the law of attraction, but I also Yeah. And I've learned this from my previous experiences. I also don't wholeheartedly believe it black and white that that's one hundred percent works all of the time. I okay. also believe in grace, yeah. which is what God is, which is not you know, it's not, I also believe in karma, but I don't 100% believe in karma because grace is when you kind of receive something, even though you don't really deserve it. And I also believe in that. It's like, I love Mm -hmm. that I'm now in a place where I can pick and choose what, what gives me peace and what makes me feel like, yeah, everything is okay and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And, Mm life works with you and through you and around you according to kind of what's meant to be um and alex must have been your blessing uh no he definitely was i i have learned Mm. so much from him alex was always a very he's he's true Aussie (laughs) he's um very direct and very um confident very very he's a big individual and I think that was really really important because I could have so you needed someone who yeah and I could have so easily become that person who would just cling to the person like the first person who gave me love like gave me love I would just cling to them and be like you know dependent on them and he, from the beginning, was like, I'm not going to be that person for you. I'm not, like, you need to figure out mm. who you are and you need to be enough in yourself because that's not my job. I love that. That's that. <laughs> I know, <Come> right? <laughs> and that's, that taught me so much because I had to. I I couldn't, yeah. like, it. it's, and obviously it's an ongoing journey. Like, even now, I, I find myself kind of wanting to people please and, and whatnot. But, like, mm. it's just been yeah it's been so refreshing to be around someone who don't allow me to i guess just like that he obviously loves you but he also wants the best for you and the best for you is to be your own person and he's he's I, I always say that with relationships, though. I feel I'm listening to a podcast today with Jay Shetty on, in and oh, his oh, new I book. I love Jay Shetty. Yeah, but his new book is all about love, isn't it? But he was talking loads about how it's so important to love yourself first. Mm. And it like, li- like you can't... He was saying, like, it's hard to love anybody if you don't love you- yourself. Yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, (laughs) yeah, and honestly still is, Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, it, it, it took those probably four or six months to get past the anxiety, and then we moved to England, because third time's a charm, (laughs) uh, we moved to England, and, and then a month later, the pandemic happened, (laughs) oh, the pandemic, but to be fair, we, like, we kind of, like, 
it's funny whenever i talk to my sister now mm. and whenever something goes wrong or something tragic happens yeah. she just laughs because she just thinks it's so funny <laughs> because it's like you're like okay third time's a charm i'm going to england and i remember being so scared because i was like i think kind of had like limiting beliefs from the mm. previous times being like what if it doesn't work out what if i don't make any friends what if and you yeah. know and then we've been there like one month and we go into lockdown yeah. and you kind of have to laugh at it because it was just i mean <laughs> that, to- that time for ev- like everyone, for everyone was just yeah it's funny because i remember being at at work and uh it all, all of a sudden, like, creeped up on all of us. I felt really mm. quickly, like, well, one minute it was all right, and the next minute it's like, yeah, and no, we're going to lock down on Monday, so yeah. you're not coming back to work. And I was like, what? What? I know. What an mm. insane time. But um, to be, yeah, like, to... in a, like, obviously you're not in a foreign country with, yeah, in lockdown must have been... It was really hard, I'm not going to yeah. lie. It was hard because, again, I'm an extrovert. Alex, he's, well, first of all, Alex is more of an introvert, but mm. he also, all his friends is online on his, like, video games. Mm. And I just didn't really have anyone to talk to. Mm. Um, at that time, when it first went into lockdown, I was in a relationship with my dad and I talked to him regularly, mm. which was a massive help. And then my mom constantly, obviously. Mm. Um but I didn't have that many friends to reach out to. And so it was a very lonely time and a very, mm-hmm. like, I was very much just trying to distract myself from everything. And once again, I think, like, most of us, we wanted to do something with that time. Because, like, we've got so much time to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, you have all the best intentions. But I I had, well, quite frankly, just that I had too many limiting beliefs to mm-hmm. really conquer anything um, of the long on the long you know to-do list um but um i think i think a year in again i was just so unhappy and it does just it's it is just really hard living with someone when you're not doing well and i had remembered the first time i had a coach i've had quite a few i was like the other day i was writing a song Mm -hmm. and i was like i'm gonna mention all the help i've had like throughout my days and I was like oh gosh one psychiatrist three therapists five coaches one group <laughs> I was like oh my god I sound like a nutcase <laughs> do you know what though I feel like it is so when uh there was a time when I was doing the whole online dating thing and I hadn't yeah. really properly worked on myself I learned to love myself I went to a therapist and I feel like it was an amazing thing. Like, at the time, it was really hard. Like, I was, like, kind of, like, I found it really uncomfortable. But actually, I worked out quite a lot. Yeah. And I feel like it helps. I don't know if you felt like this, but it helps to talk to people that's not emotionally involved, like, and they can just sort of talk to you from the sidelines and, yeah. So I I admire you for speaking about it so openly. And I think it's something The thing is, I'm a big supporter of therapy i'm a big supporter mm. of all of it it's really i mean that if i wish everyone had access to it i wish everyone had the means to go to therapy yeah, or I coaches agree, yeah. or a psychiatry or whatever it is um i i didn't have the best experience with the psychiatrist or the therapists and so mm. the coaching was always what worked for me mm. uh, i think my mom introduced me to one the first time when i was like 17 18 
Um, and I instantly was like, oh my God, this is so much easier. Like I just, I feel so much more comfortable with this person because it's mm -hmm. a lot more of a dialogue and you're like mm -hmm. chatting a lot more and it feels a bit more like talking to a friend, which I think for me just worked better. Um, but yeah, we sought out a coach um, because I just wasn't doing well in lockdown. And it was like a three month thing. It was like group coaching with also individual coaching. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, like entering into it, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do like intense coaching for like three months and then everything will be better. I just need to change my mindset. That's all I need to do, right? I just need to change my mindset, which is true. Mm -hmm. But when you have like 20 years of deep-rooted um yeah deep there's just a lot of deep-rooted mm. stuff that hadn't been dealt with and oh my god you just don't know how much there is i mean you know this it's mm. like as soon as you start digging you realize it's more and more and more and more and, and i felt more and more and more stuff keeps and I, coming up it's, yeah and i felt the more you squash it that's fine for like temporary like if you squash it down mm. it, you but if you're squashing it, it's just gonna cut what does jess say the rubbish bag analogy I don't know if I've heard this one. Oh, right. So this is not my analogy. This is um, the wonderful Jess, who is um, the, the founder of the Journal Club. Um, she makes this analogy about a dustbin, so like with rubbish. Like if you mm -hmm. don't take the rubbish out and you just squashed it all down, it's still going to start smelling. So you've got to yeah. take it out. Maybe I have heard this. I mean, it, she like, obviously explains it way better than I just did. <laughs> no, I thought it was good. I understood it. But you know what I mean? Like, it is. Like, yeah. you got, unlike, you know, across a timeline of things, like, for you, like, it would have been similar things that would have added to the limiting belief. So it's just piling up this yeah. rubbish. And the thing is, they all just, like, like they all kind of, like, are, like, I don't know, feed off each other which is really hard mm. like a very big limiting belief for me was that life is against me life is just against me obviously like hearing about my life there's quite a few things in my head that affirmed that mm. um and obviously this is not true life is not against me but i just saw i just saw life through the lenses of life is against me <laughs> yeah. and so that was a big thing however i also had a limiting belief which was i can't be helped like there's nothing to do, nothing is gonna fix me. I just can't be helped. I had, uh, I actually had a coach, and even though I love her and I loved being with her, she did eventually say, "I don't think I can help you anymore." <gasps> and oh the God. problem with that is that that obviously Feels planted it. a seed. Mm. It planted a seed, and mm. I then went to a therapist, and I think I saw her three times, and she's like, "I don't think I can help you." And so I had two people tell me, I don't think I can help, help you. you. And so that made me feel like, oh, I'm like broken. Like I can't be fixed. Oh and so kind of being like, oh, I can't be helped. Life is against me. Like all these things, they kind of just like feed off each other. Yeah. And it just gets like more and more difficult to kind of break them down. Um, and so doing the three months of coaching I did and um I did it with uh, a, a girl called uh, Natalie Shao or Scow. I think Shao is probably how you pronounce it. But she's like the loveliest coach. I'm so happy I got her. Um, mm -hmm. Really positive experience. However, three months did not fix me. No. <laughs> um, not that anything fixes you because I'm not broken. But no. three months did not magically turn my life around. And that was a really hard realization for me to come to. But Natalie 
my coach from then actually sent me she sent me a reel off she sent me a reel uh, one of jess's reels i think she was talking about oh yeah she was talking about growth grief she was talking about when you grow you're kind of also grieving the old and the stuff you're kind of letting go of and so she called it growth That's grief really interesting. which i thought was really interesting growth, yeah so you grow what did you say you grow when you grow you grieve the stuff that you were yeah you kind of like you're growing but like when you're growing obviously you're grieving what you're leaving behind which is kind of like the old stuff and the old you and the old mm. i guess um That's and she so sent me that reel mm. and I think I followed her and I looked through her pages or something and she I, she must have like literally just started the the journal mm-hmm. club what was it called back then was it called something else initially oh my gosh yeah oh yeah just heal to reveal that's right yeah um <laughs> sorry <laughs> Jess <laughs> founding members um, over here yeah <laughs> Um, so I'm so used to seeing Journal Club now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I saw that. And I had spent a lot of money on, on the initial uh, coaching bit. And mm. I would have loved to just stay with Natalie. But I kind of was looking for something a bit more affordable. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that she did this heel to reveal. And what was that? Like 33 pounds or something yes. a month. And I yeah. was like, that's that's doable. Like I can do that. We can swing that. Mm. Um, and I kind of just dived into that. And honestly, it, it has taken me probably two years of of in, like coaching and doing all that mm. to be like, okay, I think I think finally I feel just more at peace than I ever have felt. And I feel like when I and I said this earlier, you probably read that post I put up in the group that like my dad my bad days are are now just that they're bad days they're not like bad weeks turned into bad months turned into bad years Mm -hmm. and that's been a massive thing for me because it's like i'll i I can't explain it but for the longest time it was like a bad day would just turn into like weeks and weeks and i would just feel depressed and Mm -hmm. Now I'm just like, oh, it's a new day tomorrow. Like, go to bed. It's, you know, it's just, I can't explain that it. Be but most, that the most refreshing thing. Yeah. That is. It's so weird mm. because I just, for the longest time, it was just always like that. And it sounds incredibly miserable. And that's not to say I haven't had great times over the years, but I was just really just not happy for mm. like 20 years of my life or, you know, almost and that sounds so extreme because obviously I still had good times and I experienced lots and, but I was just so beside myself and I was so just not aligned with myself and I just was so discontent with life. Mm. Um, and I felt so out of control as well because it's like, I tried my best. I felt like I always was trying my best and giving everything. And I was like, my best isn't enough. Like nothing is enough. Mm. And finally understanding especially through coaching this time around these past two times with uh, natalie and, and jess just understanding actually it's just these like limiting beliefs that you need to you know discover and yeah. and and redefine and mm. that's going to take time 
redefine. But that's really, it's really just, it's just thoughts that need to change. To, yeah, yeah, they just, it's not, I think in my head I made it out to be this big, like something's wrong with me. Yes. I'm special, but like in a negative way. <laughs> and also like you've got to like switch it off, but you don't yeah. need to switch it off. You just like, it's just changing it up. Yeah, and everyone goes through it. I think for the uh, for a long mm. time, I was just like, no, I'm unique. Something's wrong with me specifically because mm. nobody else goes through this. And people do, and obviously everyone's, you know, everyone's different. We all have different stories, but... Mm. I think for me, the song mine... I wrote... Sorry, carry on. Tell me what was the song you wrote before. No, I'm talking. just saying the song... I had a song go really well on, on Instagram. Mm. You would have seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the feedback and the honestly like so many messages and like probably hundreds of comments being like Mm. oh my god i relate to this so much Mm. and it's such a like really like i thought i was the only one you just don't realize that we're like all dealing with these things it's not Mm. it's it's not that special (laughs) no but sometimes when you're so like that's why I think I'm quite open on my Instagram mm. and share my story and share. Yeah, and I love that. But yeah, because I feel like when you do, like you say, you, so many people will come forward and be like, I'm the same, or I, I, I'm mm. the same as that. And you think, oh my goodness. Yeah. But when you're so, it's in your own mind, you just make it, not make it out to be bigger than it is, but like you make it out like, it just feels like you're the only one experiencing it. But they're, like you say, everybody experiences these things. Mm. And, and it going, can feel incredibly lonely. It can do. And yeah. I was thinking when you were saying about, um, I was saying, you were saying something and I was going to say about my, oh, like reframing beliefs, reframing those limiting yeah. beliefs. Like I feel like that for me was a good one because I would feel like I was going to be rejected like that was my yeah. thing. I was gonna. I I'm always rejected, um, and that stems from like relationships in my childhood, and yeah. And I would do it with. What do you call? Is it platonic? No, not platonic. Not platonic. What's like uh, like romantic? I mean, I wouldn't really call them romantic relationships, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I call them yeah. in my podcast situationships, yeah. whatever. Situationships. But I, and I it would just fuel it, wouldn't it? Because I'd be like, oh, they've rejected yeah. me again. Oh. But then I, I remember exactly. Jess actually saying it's not re- it's not rejection, it's redirection. redirection. So, it's a, so it's like reframing that belief. And you're not mm. like getting rid of it or like denying it. You're kind of saying, okay, that's what I'm thinking, but I'm going to allow myself to re direct it so it's kind of like what you were saying with your you know you would before would say that you know you everything's against you and but now it's kind of like well I have my bad days don't turn into they're just days and they pass yeah Yeah, and I think that was limiting belief too like that very Mm. like having having it become weeks and weeks of just being depressed quite mm. frankly <laughs> and I guess coaching and you kind of gain that through Jess through what was the name of your other coach Natalie Natalie, Natalie. So Shower, it's your, it's your tool it's how you pronounce it it's your tool that you use to to redirect or re change up your limiting beliefs yeah and I think it's it's funny like 
I think I started noticing quite a few of those beliefs early on because I mm. have had coaches before, mm. but it really just only really clicked in the past couple of years. Like mm. even one that I remember having from really young age was that people always would cancel on me. Mm. And I even remember my mom, I asked my mom one day, like, don't you think people always cancel on me? And she's like, to be honest, like I, I do, you have had a lot of cancellations lately. And like, she wasn't trying to be mean. It was just the reality of things. Mm. But it became such a like big thing. I was like, oh, they're going to cancel because people always cancel on me. And it was just such a, I guess in that sense, I feel like I was attracting people, you know, attracting cancellations because... But it's funny because when you, I don't know if you felt this like through the membership of like journaling until when you realize that these are the sort of beliefs that you put on like yourself, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like I say, Mm. like you say, like there's something that happened the other day and I'm still learning, realizing them now. I'll be like, oh, it always like, I'm like, I can't remember what it was. If I think about it, I'll let you know. But it was something and I was like, I always say that. But that's the belief I'm telling myself. So that's what's going to happen. Absolutely. Say. And it's wild. It, that still blows my mind that you'll be pottering on in life. You'll be journaling about something. And then you're like, you have this big realisation. And that's a belief that you've been telling yeah. yourself. Absolutely. And it's like very, it just, it's so unconscious, isn't it? It's just mm. become such a habit. Ingrained. Like, yeah. Learning to like learning to like really realize well one like one thing what what you're speaking out loud but even what you're thinking it's yeah self self awareness isn't it yeah self awareness yeah it's it's a massive thing and i think mm. like you said in your podcast mm. um that i listened to this i was going to say morning but it was probably afternoon um <laughs> you listened to it i'm just grateful for you listening to it yeah absolutely of course um <laughs> journaling obviously is like a big part of that and i think Mm. what i realized because i always struggle a little bit i'm not gonna lie journaling is like i do it i've never been consistently like good at doing it day and morning like day and morning morning and night or Mm. like doing it for like really long periods of times or really even doing it daily um apologies there's just we live out in out to a road um (laughs) But I've got the train going past now, so that's fine. But you can't hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think even just having those moments of like mind dumps or like the prompts that we'll do like at the journal sessions. Mm -hmm. um, And then eventually what for me has become honestly just writing songs. That's kind of like my journaling. It's become Mm -hmm. like it doesn't always turn into a song. I'll just kind of write lyrics down or things that I think sound good. And just realizing how therapeutic it is. It's just mm. getting it out on paper. Out. Yeah. And and it doesn't it doesn't have to be a right or wrong. This is what, when, yeah. when my friends or people say to me, like, how do you get into journaling? And they're like, I don't know what to write. Literally, I, it's so right, hard to explain. That you don't know what to write. <laughs> just, yeah, start with that. I don't know what yeah. to write. Like, it, there's no right or wrong. But right, like you said, it's the most therapeutic thing. And you take those words out from your head and they might not make any sense or you might discover something or you might not discover anything, but it is, like I said, so super therapeutic. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, no, And it's... I love the, the love, like, the that you have, like, you have the power of writing song lyrics through journaling. 
That's incredible. It's been so amazing because I mean, I haven't really, honestly, I haven't touched much on my music at all in this story. But honestly, I think I put it yeah. aside for a very we'll long have time. Have to do another episode. <laughs> yeah, I put it along. I put it aside for a very long time, kind of mm. due to everything going on. But was it always was there? Always, I always like, wanted to do that yeah. from like I was five or six years old. So that was always like the thing I wanted to do, and it was just. Mm. It was just impossible because there was just always other things going on and then I had like I didn't write for like a really long time because I had kind of been gaslit by someone and I think that made me feel like I couldn't trust my own feelings and my mm. own thoughts and I was like oh well all these songs I've written about him and I have all just been like my disillusioned mind making up stuff <laughs> like I think yeah. that kind of stopped it but like getting getting that creative flow back yeah via journaling it's just been mm. so healing yeah and it just i don't even realize that i'm processing stuff until i've written the song and i'm like wait i think i'm kind of like i'm not that you haven't really done but i feel like after i've written the song it's like oh i think i just like unloaded mm. like a massive weight on my shoulder mm. it was just mm. yeah it feels really amazing i can well you know you've already you've you've already encouraged people to journal but i will do it again (laughs) journal write poems just anything even if it's like like movement like dancing like interpretive dancing it's just about getting it out isn't it at the end Mm. of the day uh yeah yeah it is and you know it i i I always reiterate it doesn't there's the you could there is no right or wrong Mm, but when you start doing it and like you said like also i think there's this thing that the pressure to when you start it you've got to like do it every day and Mm. morning and night and i will admit like i don't do it every day (laughs) but when i do it is like i do it when it i know it's going to really benefit me yes makes sense i never do it for the sake of doing it like that's what you should do it yeah it's always i I do it when i think like this morning what i need to do mind dump or I will always look on one of Jess's reels for like prompts if I want to do something yeah, more specific. I've done that too. Yeah. She has some great reels, guys, by the way. She does. <laughs> she does. Um but yeah, I'm so I'm so glad like you've like brought up journaling because I feel like it's it brought us together. So I feel like it was a good yeah. tool to share as it's massive. It really is. Mm. And I think for me, even though I feel like in my head I'm like, I haven't done that much, but I actually I have and I don't mm. think I wouldn't I wouldn't be back to writing songs like I am now if it hadn't been for journaling. And that's mm. the biggest gift because yeah. it's like I finally got my dream back. Like for so long I had to like sweep it under the rug and be like, it's never gonna happen. Mm. And it's like now I'm like, no, it it can happen. It is happening. It will happen. <laughs> it is happening, that's it right. It is happening, yeah. Yeah. Because you were doing so amazingly well and like it was like you know you were saying you felt like really um grateful for me and my mum listening to you i just felt like a really proud friend i was like this is she's just so amazing what i did think was i don't know obviously i have i feel like i'm just asking you on a live on a live podcast but what i was going to say was i i I really would love you to promote my wedding (laughs) my wedding what your wedding yeah i'm not obviously getting married yeah i'd love to like that that's not a disclosure or like <laughs> i'm not actually i haven't got a i haven't got a partner yet but when i do i love to which like. is coming yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he's on his way he's just he's around the corner he's, yeah he's, he's coming 
Yeah. Um, no, I'd love to. I love playing at weddings. Yeah. I used to do it, actually. It's mm. it's just the best feeling because people are just always so happy and in mm. love. It's like everything I love. It's just yeah. love and happy people and good vibes. And Right. Well, I, I will try and think of some songs that you, <laughs> I need you Please to do. sing. Um, so what do you think, though, your biggest... Because le- this has been, honestly, I just love listening to your story. I'm so sorry. That was so long. No, I think but I just didn't so- really know... But I feel like it's all been, we, you needed to share it all because it's got to where you are now, today. Um, yeah. So I think, but what would you say was your like biggest, your lesson that you take like from it all? You know, I was thinking about this earlier and that's yeah. so hard. Um, I think one thing, Yeah. which I don't know if I really touched that much on, um, but one thing that has made a massive difference for me, which was actually, I think, naturally my coach Natalie was the main person to kind of touch and touch on that was really just learning how to love every part of myself Mm -hmm. because I realized how many part like how much of myself I was like um suppressing Mm -hmm. and I was like basically feeling shame about and, and shame around and she always used to say, uh, what you, su- uh, no, what you resist persists. And that's really stuck with me. It's like, if you resist something, it will persist in other ways, most likely unhealthy ways. And so for instance, me not showing anger, that kind of came out in sadness instead mm-hmm. because I didn't get a chance to express my anger. It kind of manifested. <clears throat> It kind of manifested into, um, like, into sadness instead. Also because I think, it's going to get really psychological here, mm-hmm. but you're kind of told that, like, when you cry, you're sad, right? Like, that's, like, I think when you're really young, yeah. you get this idea of crying means sadness. Sadness, yeah. And because I didn't know how to express anger, I would cry like and because my mom did that as well um like if she was kind of like angry again she didn't show a lot of anger but if she was angry that we hadn't like cleaned up our house or whatever Hmm. she'd cry and so that was like my way of expressing anger but then when I'd cry I'd be like oh I'm sad and so then it kind of all manifested into I'm just sad all the time where really I think I was just a lot of it was probably just anger and like frustration and, and a lot of other emotions that I didn't no. allow space yeah. for because yeah. I thought it was wrong. And so one big lesson is just in all areas, like I just learning to love the bits of myself that I initially just hate it. Like I'm a very, I think Jess mentioned this the other day, like I'm a very emotional person. And I hated that about myself because I feel like people thought I was, you know, quote, too much. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm too dramatic. I was called drama queen when I was, um, I kind of got, you know, got this like, you are the drama queen in, in the class when I grew up. And these things kind of just all made me feel like, okay, that's not good. And that's not right. And so I kind of just suppressed it. And instead of owning up to it and, and being proud of that part mm. of myself. 
And even the parts that aren't necessarily always beneficial, I think kind of facing them and accepting them will, how do I explain this? Like, again, like what you, what you resist persists, but like the less, it's kind of like the less you resist it. Yes. The more it just kind of nuances or like balances out. It's like, it's like, for instance, if you're like really angry and you keep holding it in and eventually you just burst because you've been holding it in for so long. Just let yourself be angry. Yeah, or it's like you really need to pee and you've been holding it for so long. (laughs) And you have an accident. (laughs) No, but do you know what I mean? It's like anything you kind of of hold on to will eventually come out in other most likely unhealthy ways. Yeah, and that is such... uh, I love that lesson. And it's actually something I've taken... Well, obviously, I've taken a lot for this episode, but from that, it's so powerful. Like to to love your to love those parts of yourself, to love everything about yourself. Yeah, like, I, I guess it's like loving your shadows, right? It's like yeah. those parts of yourself that you initially I thought don't like. This could like. be a song. Like, there's a song around this. Yeah, no, there probably is. <laughs> Get your honestly, up. there's so many songs around this whole yeah. story. I'm sure I could write a whole album. It, honestly, like I love that. <laughs> like, I, I feel like that lesson is that's a really like a powerful one um yeah to not resist it not resist their feelings and that's what i really try hard to teach Alyssa is that it's okay to feel all the emotions and that yeah. there's no <sighs> negative and positive ones they're just they're just emotions yeah. they're just emotions they're just expression of how mm. you're feeling on the inside and like you say i feel like if you do resist them they are going to come out in like not so healthy ways um mm. That's exactly. so powerful. I love that. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that truly have changed my life. I think, mm. I think that's one of the biggest steps to loving yourself and like learning to love yourself. Because if you can't accept every part of yourself, mm. are you really loving yourself, or are you just loving parts of yourself? Yeah. And then is that really loving yourself? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've always, um, like I don't know why. Like I've kind of always knew that. I always say that you got to love yourself, but you just, you saying that now, it's like, yeah, you're right. I've got to love all of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I think I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm there completely, but, but, but learning to accept those bits that initially Mm. I've been resisting and shaming, Mm. I think have been a big step Mm. in the right direction. Honestly, I have just, um, I could literally talk to you for hours and I love this. And do you know what? I just love that. Um, We were brought together through journaling. I know. How amazing is that? uh, But honestly, this has just been wonderful. And everything I wanted my first um, podcast episode to be. And I've just loved listening. And obviously I've, you've told me parts of it, but to hear it from like the beginning to now. um, And like you said, you haven't touch loads on your music, but that, the music's always been there throughout it all. Mm. And you and I are yeah. doing so incredibly well with it. Oh, thank you. Um, what, do you know what? What piece of advice would you give to your 18-year-old self now? If you could have your 18-year-old self in a room, what piece of advice do you think you'd give them? Where was I when I was 18? Um, I think... I, I thought about that one earlier as well and I was like I just the thing about me when I was 18 
Yeah. Is that I just wasn't ready to really because I a lot of the like a lot of the things I'd probably say I I heard people told me. Mm. And so in my head I'm like I just I wasn't ready to take it on board yeah. and run with it. Um if I was, I think more than anything just that I love her and that yeah. she's good enough as she is and to own every part of herself. Mm. And it you know, it's cliche, but that's I think that's just what we need to hear, isn't it? I think that's that's always what we need to hear from like yes. really young and you're like you're enough you're doing enough yeah. you're loved and actually, exactly just all the the things it, on the mirror yeah and you don't also have to have it all sorry i know i'm taken away from the advice you're no, supposed to be, but you, <laughs> you don't always have to have it all figured out like yeah that's okay as well yeah i think it's really yeah it's you can love yourself and be enough and be doing enough without having to have it all figured out. Yeah. And it's mm. all just gonna, it's all gonna work out. Like you just yeah. have to keep going. I, I don't think like there's anything I could have told her that she didn't already, already kind of know. Yeah. It just would take her some time to really yeah. understand it and yeah. to act on all these things that mm. she'd been told and taught. Mm. um you can't you can't force progress you can't force growth it just it it comes at its own pace yeah and, and things i think come, i was where i was supposed to be yeah and things come into your life i feel and experiences that come into your life to help you have that to be part of that journey and to be part of that growth yeah. and they come for you when you need them exactly mm. you're amazing you're amazing. You amazing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Honestly, I can't. Uh, oh, I just. I'm. I'm. I. We. If you. You can't. If you can't see us, we've got big smiles on our faces, um, <laughs> because we've just had a wonderful nearly two hours of just talking. And... Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been two hours. I know I'm not supposed to apologize. See, this is me. No, I need to own my shadow don't. here and yeah. be like, I love that I love to talk and share. That yes. is such an amazing thing. And I love listening to it and I've learned so much and I know that people listening will have definitely taken lots away because I have. Okay, um, and I've good. loved listening to your empowered story. And it's very I'm therapeutic as well, isn't it? Yeah, Chatting, it is. And, about it, it. and also, you, when you reflect and look back, like you've kind of like done a, like a mini verbal journaling session. Like you, yeah. you realise <laughs> stuff along the way, and it's exciting. Yeah. Um, and I'm so excited for how your empowered life is and story is going to continue because, yeah, can't wait for my wedding day when you sing on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah thank you so much. Yeah, I know. I know it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much for com coming, Thank being you. my first guest. I can't believe I feel honored. I feel very honored. No, Thank you know. so much for having me. You're so welcome. Um, Thank you. What an amazing first episode that was. Emma is just, oh, she's just the most beautiful human being and she always puts a massive smile on my face and it was just honestly a delight and joy to listen to her empowering story and I'm really hope that you've managed to take away a tool um, 
or something, anything from that episode because I definitely, definitely have. And yeah, so thank you, a big thank you to Emma. Thank you so much for listening and I can't wait to have you back next week for another empowering story. Take care, my darlings.